Spoilerpod. I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to our very special Spoiler Podcast for Thor, The Dark World, the latest salvo of Marvel's ongoing plans for world domination in which Asgard is attacked by a terrible threat that forces Thor, the Norse god of thunder, to turn to an unexpected ally for help, his stepbrother, Loki. Joining me to talk about this latest Phase 2 instalment are scholars from the University of Midgard, Helen O'Hara. Hello. Dan Jolin. Greetings. Didn't expect that. And Ali Plum. Greetings. I expected that. Hello all. Uh, before we move on, a reminder that this is the Spoiler Podcast, and I wrote that in capitals. We'll be delving into the dark world in great spoilerific detail, including the ending and the post credit stings and everything. So if you haven't seen it, run along, rectify that situation immediately, and then come right back here. For the rest of you, you're in for a treat. For before the four of us witter on at length, Helen and I spoke to Tom Hiddleston, a.k.a. Loki, director Alan Taylor and Marvel head honcho producer Kevin Feige and milked them for movie fact juice. Here's what they had to say, starting with Feige and Taylor and then we'll segue seamlessly into Tom Hiddleston. Now there's a sentence. Here you enjoy. I do want to talk about one thing that that does seem to be setting up something for later films and that's the last shot of the film which is uh, (laughs) very, very interesting indeed. Loki on the throne of Asgard. Oops, Um, now you've spoiled it. Now I've spoiled it. There's a cat out the bag. Was that always planned or was that quite late in the day and... um, God, this, this is a really interesting process. I, you, you answer that one. Well, it was, it, it's, it's always a combination on our, uh, on our films because we want to, we have ideas early on and we want to be rigid enough, as you might uh, imagine a producer needs to be, to, to start building those elements. But, but we also want to be able to be loose enough to have things, have things come up as they, uh, as they may. So it was always the plan that Loki have a redemptive death. And it was always planned that he wouldn't really be gone because in the comic books that's not what happened. So there were various discussions as to where we would where we would leave him. But as we were as the process was building and continuing, you know, really a shape of a we never really talk about tr- you know a, a trilogy necessarily, but I like I've just seen that they've they're starting to do some uh, some Thor marathons uh, around uh, around the world uh, gearing up to the release of the Dark World <clears throat> and that and that marathon is Thor the Avengers and Thor the Dark World. Mm-hmm. And when people see all three of those together, particularly with that last shot, mm-hmm. you essentially see a trilogy about Loki getting what he always wanted <laughs> <laughs> and taking the most roundabout way he possibly could. <laughs> but there's this kid who we first meet alongside his young brother being told by his father that they were both born to be kings mm. and then very quickly learning that's not true. And then soon after that learning, not only is that not true, you're not even really an Asgardian. You're not even the son of Odin. You belong to this hated and despised species, and he has a misguided attempt to, to try to win, win the love of his father back, which his father rightfully rejects, mm-hmm. and he ends up letting go and, and plummeting himself into the abyss. Mm-hmm. And Avengers is all about his grandstanding and his attempt to get a throne somewhere else. And when we meet him at the beginning of the Dark World, he's lost, and he's a broken man. My favorite shot in the movie is, is Thor coming to see Loki, and Loki standing up in front of him proudly trying to ask why he's coming to see him now, and Thor saying, knock it off, man, knock mm. it off. And the illusion peels back, and you see the entire place is in shambles, and mm. he's got a bloody foot, and he's just sitting there with his hair all messed up, <laughs> you know, being as, being as broken as, as we've ever seen him. And that he's able to spin the events of his brother without ever really lying to his brother, without ever actually betraying his brother into what he's always wanted, which is sitting on the and throne. And saving his brother at one point. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, 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 you know, we, we love the notion that that last scene... That last scene needed to work for people watching the movie for the first time who believed it's Odin talking to, to Thor and then the surprise. But it needs to work when people watch it a second and third time. Why is Odin saying those things? 
Why is Loki saying those things to Thor? And they're very nice things, and they're very <laughs> caring things that he says to him. Is that partially because he really does love his brother? Mm-hmm. I like to think so. Mm-hmm. Is that also because he thinks that's what his brother needs to leave <laughs> and not come back? <laughs> Perhaps. I also like watching it the second time watching um, Anthony Hopkins' Odin listen to how Thor talks about Loki. It's, it's yeah. very yeah. clever. Yeah. It's, it's a really small moment there, but mm-hmm. it's absolutely re- really He offers there. up the hammer. And Odin pauses for a minute. And when you know it's really Loki, he's realizing, well, I'm not going to be able to lift it anyway. <laughs> That's going to be awkward. Just keep it. It's yours. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, we were looking in, in retrospect at our subscribers cover. The secrets are often and right in front of there, you. It's yeah. right there. And none it's on of the us cover of Empire it. Magazine. It's on the cover of the magazine. <laughs> That's right. None of us spotted it. It's quite embarrassing. It's amazing. But there you go. But I, I mean, I remember reading in the production notes that Anthony Hopkins said he hadn't shot any scenes with Tom. So that opening scene with the two of them, was that quite a late addition as well? That was added, yes. We always have, we always have additional photography on all of our movies. And I like to think that it, over, the, over the years, people realize that that means uh, improving the movie, mm. having a good idea, and, and having the, uh, the uh, resources and the ability to, to, to execute those ideas, as opposed to the old-fashioned notion uh, that might apply to some films, but don't apply to most of our films, which is, uh-oh, reshoots, they're in trouble. Uh-oh, they got to do it yeah, again. I'm, I'm very careful just to say, to say the word you know, additional photography instead of reshoots. Because even coming out of TV, when the word reshoot comes along, it's somebody screwed up. But um, you know, so many of the best moments in all of our movies <clears throat> were, were shot in, uh, in the post period mm. as part of an additional photography. We schedule it for all of our movies. We never know what it's going to be necessarily, but we always know or hope that as we're cutting the movie together that more things will come to light and more possibilities will present themselves. So we always schedule the actor's time and, uh, and some production time and some financing put aside to do uh, additional photography. And yes, that scene, that opening scene with, with Loki in shackles being led in front of Odin uh, was shot in that, in that later period. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was partly expositional enhancement, but it was also part of this phase where we realized just how much Loki was you know, connecting with the audience. And so mm-hmm. there, was, there was also the other late edition was what it seems to be people's favorite scene now of the shape-shifting shape scene as he walks yes. out of the prison. And yes. it, that came very, very late, and that was just there only to let Loki be Loki. Kind of. And, and call that, Chris Evans and get him in. And, uh, yeah. Well, he was shooting, yeah. he was shooting uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier right down the street, so he was able to come in and, and do that for us. But what's nice is that Tom did that role, and then Chris Evans came in and watched Tom's performance of, of Chris Evans doing so, uh, <laughs> And then he imitated Tom's imitation of Chris Evans. Doing, <laughs> and, that, and that will be on the Blu-ray. You'll okay. be able to actually okay. see... Hiddleston in the cap suit. He says he fitted perfectly. It, it, no adjustments were, were necessary. <laughs> he put it right on. I don't know whether he's, uh, you know, he trying seemed, to... Yeah. He seemed really he happy about that. I think he didn't want to take it off. But is, is there a markedly different version of this movie then? Because there's also in the uh, the Empire feature, uh, Christopher Eccleston talks about having scenes or a confrontation with, with Odin and Malekith which is not in the film anymore. So did that fall by the wayside? And Yeah, and you there... know, it's, um, there's, there's, a, there's a process that goes on, which is finding the movie a little bit and also tightening things up. And mm. it's always going to be the case that some things that you love have to go away. And so I spent some time with Chris Eccleston you know, yesterday, and that was probably the scene that he, that he missed. I'm hoping that gets you know, seen in Blu-ray. But it's, it's part of making the film more focused. And, more, and I think in that particular case, you're serving big things. You know, we, Thor had to come in and continue the arc that he was on and even though it's a wonderful wonderful scene with great work done by all the actors mm. uh, in the in this really in the flow of the movie it's frequently the you know most beloved things that have to go you have this invasion scene almost and then you slow it down i guess to have this we did did and we you know we, we needed to get thor as i recall it to sort of there to contend with the with the villain and, and we sort of stopped yeah, in yeah there was a there was a showdown and, and frankly one of one of the lines is in the first trailer yeah, i think yeah. or the mm-hmm. teaser yeah. 
um, that Malekith says, which is which is good and, and references sacrifices he's had to make in the past and mm. and sort of confronting Odin on, on what is he willing to sacrifice, referring, of course, to Frigga, who's at, at, at uh, the end of a, a knife blade. But what happened was, and it was nobody's fault except our own, really, that we had constructed a scene that was shot beautifully by Alan, that was performed beautifully by the actors. But what we asked them to do was a mistake. And basically what that is is Odin put down his spear. Mm-hmm. That Malekith successfully talked Odin into putting down his, his spear and, and then kills Frigga anyway. Mm-hmm. And the early audiences went, what the hell is he, why would he do that? Odin wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Odin would blast him. Odin would do something. He would, absolutely wouldn't do that. And they rioted in the theater and they, <laughs> and they took their pitchforks <laughs> and their tomatoes. Poured out the seats. Um, you know, thankfully, because it was such a good scene, um, uh, we, were, we, we did a little more photography for that scene. But the version that you see in the movie now was cut using mainly all the original versions of the scene with an additional line here or there. Um, uh, and has Odin entering afterwards. So in other words, the audience could forgive him that he was too late, that he had been sidelined because of the invasion happening in his throne room and across mm-hmm. Asgard, but they could not forgive him for uh, uh, sort of wimping out and putting, and putting the spear down. And when we changed it to the version of the scene you see in the movie... Uh, the the uh, uh, scores, you know, we do test screenings and we look at scores and, and the numbers do not dictate everything to us. But when they're overwhelming, you know, <laughs> you know, there's something going on. Um, they shot up and suddenly people loved and respected Odin again. Mm. Just speaking of Malekith talking about sacrifice, there's a lot of kind of, of echoes in this movie between kind of warring pairs, if you like, because there's the, you know, he's he sacrificed his people and Odin at one point is willing to do the same. You've got, you know... Uh, Isn't it exciting that they should actually know that? That, that works? Connection that <laughs> we work like so me. hard to actually get that to play <laughs> in a right. movie. It works. And now, funny, with the ending of Thor stepping away from the throne, it also yeah. delivers on that at Absolutely. the end. Which was actually a late evolving, evolution yeah. in his character. Wow. Well, it was just, yeah, it was obviously well con- well constructed, so I just wanted to say, you know, I spotted it. Well done. That's my favorite Kevin Coates was at some point in the process, saying, you don't have to know what you're doing, you have to look like you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I live my life by that. <laughs> uh, but in terms of, uh, you, meant, you mentioned Frigga there, and uh, I think people went in this movie expecting a, a big death. Uh, can you talk about at which point you decided it would be, well, Loki as well, but, but Frigga? So I think a lot of people were expecting maybe Odin. Maybe but, I'm uh, we're recollecting this different, because you, you probably, you had a lot of development before I even got there, but when I got there, um, it was pretty clear that Frigga was going to die because there was very, very few things we could do that would pull the brothers together um, that would believably be a motive for both of them. Uh, yeah. And actually, Loki's death, I think, came as an idea a little later in the process. And then we had to figure out, we had to figure out you know, what that meant to the universe and how to handle it and how real was it and so on. But I, the central event, even in the first draft I read, was going to be the death of Frigga and what that meant to all the, the other characters. And I love the fact that Renee Russell has, has you know, more to do in this. She mm. seemed really surprised by how fierce she comes across as a warrior and um, she's also got she's also funny and she's great in the movie and that, that's right that was a, that was an early early idea to link the brothers and to and to give loki a reason to to help thor mm. because the, because odin would be very tragic to the audience would be very tragic to thor but perhaps not to to loki well, as evidenced by his final line that's right uh, i didn't do it for him so where is odin <laughs> <laughs> it is a it is a good question i, I we have we have some ideas uh, I could answer it, um, but 
but I won't. <laughs> but this is the spoiler section. Oh, but not that, not that spoiler. Not that <laughs> spoiler. Spoiling something phase else. Phase three, phase four, spoiler. And then I just want to ask also about uh, one of the, the mid-credit sting rather than the post-credit sting. Uh, I was on set of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, uh, very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what did confuse one of one of my colleagues is that, and I just want to completely clarify it. That was the ether is also an infinity stone. Is this correct? correct. That is correct. Odin talks about it when he goes to the Hall of Science in Asgard. You hear him talk about relics that predate the universe itself and that that while many of these are in the shapes of stones, the ether is fluid and ever-changing. But it is, as revealed in that that, uh, tag, one of the infinity stones, as is the Tesseract. Mm -hmm. Revealed for the first time in that in that. So uh, when when did you shoot that? And who shot that? Was that James Gunn shot it? It's part of our sort of fun tradition of uh, of the passing the torch. The next filmmaker filming a, a, a tag. Ken Branagh shot the tag that's on the end of Iron Man Two. Joss Whedon shot the tag that's on the end of the original Thor. I mean, he's only come knocking for a job in several you know years. <laughs> 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 because uh, we were mixing in L.A. at the same time. He was shooting on his own sets in London. So, uh, so we had uh, 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 Ray and Jamie. Uh, thankfully, we're, we're, we're able and willing to fly to the Guardian set to, to shoot that for us. So, and, and, yeah, and in terms of the story, I mean, we, it's the first time we see the Collector, which is interesting. Yes. Uh, a little teaser of the Guardians uh, yes. universe we can expect. And the second time around I watched it, it kind of struck me what Benito del Toro was doing. He's essentially doing, this is almost Fenster's brother from the usual suspects. Intergalactic Fenster. <laughs> yeah. um, Slightly uh, more intelligible. <laughs> I will never, I will never claim to know what uh, Benicio is doing, but he's doing uh, whatever it is. It's pretty awesome. And 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 you know what we what we uh, are hoping for is that uh, in the same way that uh, that uh, people who stay through the end credits of Iron Man were treated to Sam Jackson showing up in an eye patch and a leather coat in Tony Stark's living room. A small segment of the audience would know, oh, my God, that's Nick Fury. That means mm. there could be the Avengers. A large segment of the audience went, well, what the hell is Sam Jackson doing at the, <laughs> end this, at the end of this movie? What does that mean? Why does he have an eye patch? And soon a conversation was developing about what that, who that is and what that means. And likewise, I think there will be some people who go, oh, that's the collector. He's in Guardians. And there will be a lot of people who go, what the heck is Benicio Del Toro doing? What is this? What happened to his hair? Yeah, why? why? What is going on? Is that a pink lady? Um, <laughs> that uh, that, uh, that inspires the conversation that will lead us to, to Guardians of the Galaxy. I hope That's they don't get to that point in the, and, and then turn off the, the movie because I think they've had their, their Marvel treat at the end because there's yeah. another Marvel treat at the very end of yes. the credits with one of my favorite shots in the movie at the, at the very last shot. What's the name of that animal? Is it a bilge snipe? Uh, it is not a build snape, but the amount of questions I get about build snape is pretty amazing. It's a testament to Joss's line in Avengers. Um, it, is a, uh, it, it, is a, it is a frost creature from right. Jotunheim, a slightly smaller, mm. um, perhaps baby version that, what uh, of what we in, saw in the first Thor Jotunheim. film that Thor flew through the back of his head. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Very, very playful version. This, this lovely, around. wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Still chasing, around chasing birds, chasing <laughs> yeah, birds. Yeah. I think the RSPCA need to get on that one sooner or, <laughs> sooner or later. I, I live near Greenwich, so I was a bit worried about all that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting as well because uh, you did, uh, as you did with Avengers, two post-credits things in this one. And uh, I've n- developed a theory, which is if something pushes, develops the, uh, the larger story of the phases, then that comes at the midpoint. And if it doesn't, then you leave it until the end almost as a thank you for staying through the movie. Is that... Is that, that is an excellent observation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But uh, with the uh, the Thor and Jane reunion at the end of this uh, at the end of this movie, was that intended always to be there, or did you intend to have it at the at the end of the the movie proper? It was. Uh, we experimented with a few places for it, uh, uh, to be honest, and uh, 
And no, we didn't shoot it saying, oh, we're going to put this in. We know that this will go at the end. But the truth was that after that Loki reveal, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing, that, could, that nothing is, could follow that in the story. Could follow yeah. that. But also, there's this funny development where we spent a lot of agony thinking, how do we explain that they're together? And until we sort of, somebody woke up and said, you don't have to explain it. They, <laughs> they love each other. They, you know, it's sort of natural that they would be together. So it sort of evolved from a kind of major plot point into a tag. Well, you know, of course, uh, sort of at the end. Mm. But that was a late development, too. And I'm, I'm wondering about the mechanics of the bridge because, you know, I, I hope her, her home is structurally sound because he was landing on the roof. You know, it always <laughs> seemed like it did a lot of damage to the ground. I was worried. I think, uh, I think Heimdall is very precise okay. in, in the way that he can dial, <laughs> yes, the, uh, the landings. So on one hand, he can, you know, if, uh, target it at an army of dark elves and blow them away or he can make sure not to knock over the plant pots. Right, that's right. right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had to retar her roof occasionally. <laughs> I have to say, I love the relationship between uh, Thor and Jane in both movies. And uh, in this movie, is, uh, Natalie was saying at the press conference the other day about how it's so lovely she gets to meet the dad. And there's that lovely moment where she goes, you told your dad about me? Yeah, which, I love that. Yeah, which, which is great. But there's also hints that there's a love triangle set up going on, uh, possibly with Sif. Is that something that you're maybe looking to resolve at a later date? or? Yeah, maybe. And, and you know, really, that's just a, that's a, that's a uh, tip of the hat to the relationship in the comics. Because mm-hmm. in the comics, yes, Sif does end up becoming a, a great, great love interest of, of Thor's after, after uh, uh, Jane Foster. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, if we're lucky enough to, to be asked to make additional movies, I think maybe we could, we could lean that way and, and head that way. But for the time being, it was fun to, to you know, Jamie just does an amazing job at, at, at giving those glances and sort of looking at Jane up and down and, you know, what is she thinking? And really, this is, this is who he chooses over me. And yet, she's unbelievably noble. She's a great warrior. And she assists in, uh, in helping Jane along the way, which we thought was, was great for somebody to be very jealous of someone and yet support them and help them in the journey. Yeah, so there's a, it's tiny, as you said, but it's got a little mini arc in there sort of mm. where she, she complains about her, gives her an eyeball, and then sort of saves her. But for me, I, coming to the Marvel Universe, I just love the fact that they combine and we got a chance to combine this huge epic galactic stuff and then trying to find the smallest, most even petty moments in the human behavior so that meeting dad or meeting mom is awkward. Uh, I know your boyfriend didn't call you when he was in New York, jerk, slap. Um, and, and also here, the women sort of eyeballing each other. The fact you got you pause and take the time to do a petty moment like that while the elves are attacking Asgard is, is my favorite kind of thing in the, in the Marvel Universe. And is it, I, I know that you, you're, you're planning Phase 3, and I know you probably won't be able to say it, but the, the popularity of Loki, the, the, the final shot of this movie, are you thinking about a Thor 3? Are you thinking about a Loki movie uh, spin-off? We're thinking about, uh, we're thinking about uh, lots of things. <laughs> um, uh, you know, where we specifically go, we'll see. Uh, you know, but the, the, the greatest part of, of sort of the groundswell of a Loki solo movie is what that really means... Yes, it means, yes, we want to see a Loki movie, but it really means is we love Loki. We love what you've done with Loki. We love what Tom Hiddleston has done with Loki. Um, and, uh, and I certainly hope that, uh, that all of those people um, um, you know, enjoy what, what we do in the Loki movie that's coming out now, which is <laughs> Thor The Dark World. Uh, but could Loki work without Thor? I think anything is possible. I think if, if inspiration strikes and you have the right creative uh, uh, team, that you can, you, know, you can make a great film out of almost, out of almost anything. Um, I think it would be somewhat challenging because so much of what is great about Thor uh, uh, is Loki. What's so great about Loki is Thor. And both Tom and Chris have been very uh, upfront and, and honest about that. Mm. Um, and there are not a ton of singular Loki stories in the comics, I think, for that very reason. So, you know, we, we wouldn't do it just to go, he's really popular, quick, make a movie about him. <laughs> uh, we would only do it if, um, if, uh, if we had an idea that could, uh, could sustain a whole movie. And the truth is there's so many other great Loki Thor stories to tell first. 
and indeed great other Marvel stories. You've got, so Guardians is set, Avengers 2 is set, Captain America the Winter Soldier is set, Ant-Man is now happening. Ant-Man is now officially happening from Comic-Con 2006, where we sat, <laughs> not, not in Hall H, but in, a, in, a, in a, one of the other ballrooms with John Favreau talking about his upcoming Iron Man and Louis Leterrier talking about his upcoming The Incredible Hulk and Edgar Wright talking about his upcoming Ant-Man. Mm. And little do we know, it would be, uh, it would be so far uh, flung into the future. But it is, things happen at the right time for the right reasons. And he is now in our offices in uh, Burbank and uh, uh, officially prepping the movie to shoot uh, next year. Right now, it's like 5 in the morning. Over. Well, he might be sleeping right now. <laughs> okay, okay. Might be there. Works <laughs> too. But it's, it's one of the ones that I'm looking forward to the most in the Marvel Universe, the Ant-Man thing. Because that combination of that story and that character, that director, I think could be so Yeah, cool. it's going to be interesting. Are you, can you comment on the, uh, the casting rumors that have been... Knocking around recently? No, no, of course not. But we are just just starting to cast and starting to look for, um, you know, there there you know three or four main main leads and main characters in the in the film, and I hope we have the majority of the cast before the end of the year, but nothing nothing to announce yet. Have you thought about casting an actual Ant? Uh, well, believe it or not, uh, Edgar Wright introduced me many years ago to, ironically, is it called Phase Four? What's that movie? What's that crazy? Oh, yeah, Phase 4. It's all phase 4. Yeah, yeah. I didn't Amazing. even occur to me. It's called Phase 4. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we've been looking at a lot of practical ant uh, footage for many, many years, some of which is unbelievably creepy, but much of which is sort of awe-inspiring. Whether we use real ants or not is, is part of what uh, we're trying to figure out now in pre-production. Okay. And the last question, gentlemen, then we'll let you go, is uh, you're not going to talk about where Odin is, but Odin's last scene in the movie uh, with the guard, who is actually Loki, at the very end of the last scene, uh, Anthony Hopkins turns to the camera and goes uh, and, and has a, a sort of knowing look in his face. So does he know that that is Loki or is he sad about the death of his son? What's, what's your take on it? Um, I think when we were doing it and when we were going through the takes and we were picking takes and, and when I was talking to Anthony, uh, we wanted that to hang in the, in the you know, teeter um, and, and not be decided. There's a look in his eye that I think is the glimmer of recognition of who he's talking to. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there's a kind of acknowledgement of that, I think, and a sort of weariness that comes with it. Oh. God, <laughs> sort of, which that can very much also read as a, oh, I'm so sad about the loss of my son who I learned to love too late. Yeah. Um, and because he's a brilliant actor, he can make both sit together. Uh, well said. No, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it was supposed to work on both, on both uh, levels. And, uh, and I think Tony came in to do a little ADR in that scene and, and had seen that and said, uh, I'm not going to do an impression. I'll oh, leave that to Tom Hiddleston. Come on. But, but, uh, but basically, um, uh, I think enjoyed that that, that, that line. Loki could, could be could be interpreted both ways. I can't wait for the uh, Rashomon style sequel where we see the events from Odin's point of view. <laughs> see what unfolds after that. But uh, gents, it's been a pleasure, Kevin. Thank you Alan, so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you very thank much. You, thank, you. thank you. Uh, yeah. Shall we move on now to the uh, the spoiler yes. section? Helen, do you okay. want to? Okay, oh. I'll, I'll I'll quickly move into it. Um, uh, so this is the spoiler section now, Tom. So mm. we can we can talk hopefully about everything. freely and openly about everything. I will. Um, I'll do my best. I have to like I have to take off the safety catch, which has been so firmly <laughs> locked down for twelve months. <laughs> uh, how much do you know, for example? At the let's let's talk about. I think the last shotless movie is very very interesting. Yeah. Let's start at the end and work our way back. Okay. Uh, Loki is on the throne of Asgard. He is. How much do you know about the events that led up to that? And what's uh, in store for Loki? What are his plans? Um, uh, to, so basically, the, the 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 logic of it, and I hope people get this from the film, is is um, um, there is there's a, there's a, there's a, well, let's go a bit further back. There's a moment when Thor and Loki are uh, uh, leaving the prison, and Loki's um, 
already messing around and he does some shape-shifting mm-hmm. um, and he changes into a guard and then he changes um, Thor into Sif and then he changes himself into Captain America. Yes. Um, a marvelous imitation of an imitation by Chris <laughs> Evans. Um, and uh, I'll talk about that a bit more in a minute, but, but um, there's an actor who plays the, the guard that I turn into. Yes. Um, who is the same actor who plays the guard that comes back to mm-hmm. tell Odin that they found a body on um, the dark world. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's Loki's disguise. So in actual fact, when, when, when the, um, the, the Asgardian guard comes back to tell Odin, that's Loki saying we found a body. And did you read those lines for him? Because he had your kind of cadence yes, to I those did. lines. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I did the whole, I did it. And then, and then he did as it were, an impression of me. Or, uh, fant- he's fantastic. He's an Australian actor. I wish I could remember his name. We should look it up yeah. and, and give him due credit. Mm. Um, that scene ends with Odin turning uh, towards the guard and giving him a, an almost knowing look. Mm. And that can be read a couple of ways. One, it could be read, uh, no, Loki's dead and I'm, I'm actually quite sad about the death of my, my yeah. son. Or I know that that guard is Loki. What's your reading on that situation? Hmm. I think... Um, I think it's deliberately ambiguous. I, mean, I like, when we, maybe one day we'll explore what happens after that moment. I think it's setting up that way. I think. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, what, what's, what happened? Does, you know, does Loki reveal himself or does he... Uh, that's, yeah, that's the question. Like, what happens to Odin after that? What have you done with Odin? That's what, that's what we want to know. Yeah, because on our subscriber cover, we only realized this sort of on Friday after seeing the film. We were looking at that picture again and it's there's a helmet sitting by Loki's feet mm-hmm. and it's not his, it's, it's Odin's. Mm-hmm. Um, and suddenly we were like, Oh, <laughs> darn. <laughs> totally didn't it's been there that. all along. It's, I, I wonder if, um, if there were ever another film, you know, or, or maybe, maybe some, maybe, a, maybe a tag scene or something where, um, I don't, it could be an, I don't know. I honestly, I wish I knew what was inside Kevin Feige's brain. Um, <laughs> I don't sadly. Um, and m- maybe one day there'll be some, you know, you'll be in a, in a world where you least expect it. You'll be, you know, traveling in through and into a cityscape a metropolis and, and, um, you know, past some cafes and shops and you'll find, um, an old man sitting, sitting on his own and he'll turn to the camera and it'll be Anthony Hopkins. Um, <laughs> Slightly bewildered. How the hell did I get here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. happened? Yeah, but I, I think he certainly put him away somewhere. I'm not, I mean, I don't know specifically where mm. and have, I have many ideas about, mm. about what's happened. But yeah. When did some of that happen? Because I was just reading in the production notes and, and Anthony Hopkins was saying, I didn't have any scenes with Tom this time. And I was thinking, yeah, you did. So yeah. did, were those quite late in the day? I mean, that, that sort of that opening scene um, with him and then I guess a little bit at the end. Yes, that, the opening scene was, um, was something that came later. And uh, I think it's great because I actually always wanted that scene. I, I, it was always, um, there was an idea that it would be, be assumed um, on the behalf of the audience that on the way into prison that, that Loki and Odin would have had this con- second confrontation mm. because Odin hadn't seen Loki since the end of Kenneth Branagh's Thor when mm. he disappears through the wormhole. Um, and I thought, I want to play that scene. That's going to be, that's a, you know, there's so much that's happened. What does Odin say about New York? What does he say about what happened in Avengers and, and how has Loki changed? So um, that was a later scene we shot and I loved, I loved doing it. Yeah. I mean, it, just to work with, 
Tony Hopkins is I mean, amazing, and and um, he go, he really goes for it in this one too. Oh yeah, yeah when, when he explodes a rage, it's yeah. um, truly terrifying. I yeah. imagine to be on the end of that must be uh, fairly scary. Yeah, but also he's such he's so playful, and 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 that day I remember the day that particular day's work. Um, uh, he knew he knew I was about to go and do uh, Coriolanus, and he'd played Coriolanus in uh, in Laurence Olivier's company at the National Theatre. Wow. So wow. it was it was a, as a young young man, he'd, he, uh, Christopher Plummer pulled out, and and a young Mr. Hopkins stepped into the breach, and so actually, the, the sort of like between takes that whole day, he was just telling me anecdote after anecdote after anecdote <laughs> about working with Olivier and and Richardson, and th- they got funnier and funnier and funnier. I mean, he is the best mimic I've ever seen. Like you get him to do his Laurence Olivier. It's yeah. that apocryphal story of they re-released Spartacus. And, oh, yeah, that's true. And, and, um, oh, yeah. and they got him to do Olivier's ADR. <clears throat> very, very funny indeed. So in between rages, it was all all, all, all <laughs> jokes and laughter. And you talked about uh, the imitation of an imitation of an imitation. Uh, and yeah. That, that happened with Chris Evans. Yes. In this movie. Can you talk about yeah, that? Yeah, that was amazing. Um, and uh, I actually shot that. And and there is a scene. I hope it's on. I think it's going to be on the DVD. I got into the Captain America costume. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> it was great, and I'm pleased to say it fits rather well. Um, <laughs> didn't have to. Didn't have to make any alterations. Um, and uh, so I. So basically, I played Captain America. I played Loki dressed as Captain America. Yeah. And um, and because uh, Chris Evans was still finishing the Winter Soldier, he wasn't around. He was he was off in um, wherever he was. And um, so I, I did it. Um, and then the idea was they would show Chris mm-hmm. the tape of me doing him or me doing me doing him. Um, and uh, and he was so game. He was so he was like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. Um, and uh, I think he's fantastic, actually. So it's Chris Evans doing an impression of Loki doing an impression of Captain America. <laughs> It's kind of amazing. That's kind of. Yeah. We'll just we'll just uh, uh, very very quickly ask about um, the scenes between yourself and, and Chris in this movie. Yeah. Because uh, the joy of Thor and Loki is withheld from the audience for such a long time. Yeah. And then it's finally delivered. And in those scenes, how much of if what Loki is saying to Thor is truth? In your opinion. In in all of them. In all of them, yeah. Um, from, from the off, he, you know. Are Thor's, we Thor's, our, Yeah. A spoilery version yes, of the We're still spoilery. Yeah. Um, I. Well, how much of it is the truth? I think I honestly think Thor demands it of Loki at various points. Um, I think uh, Loki's grief at the death of Frigga is real mm-hmm. um, because she's the last and only person who cares about his existence, and actually always did. I think so. There is, however begrudging, there's a, there's a love there um, which I found moving. It's like it's it still keeps the character grounded in something human, and um, then there's a scene on on. Um, on the um, the skiff, there's a sort of a, a dark elf skiff that they um, uh, c- sort of corral to get into um, into the dark world. And, and Jane Foster is is under the spell of the ether and is sleeping on the on the on the prow of the ship. And and Thor and Loki just get into it. Mm. And um, and and he says something like, "What well, I could do with the power that flows through those veins." And Thor says, "It would consume you." And they get in. They just get into the nuts and bolts, and uh, and Thor says, "I wish I could trust you." And um, Loki's response is simply, "Trust my rage," mm. and I think that is honest. 
Yeah. Um, and I also believe that when he said, Loki says, I didn't do it for him. He also means it. I mean, of course, that's cryptic. It's a riddle. It's a, it's a trick. Um, but whatever he's referring to, he did. Thor says, I'll tell father what you did here today. Mm. And it's absolutely true that Loki didn't do it for Odin. Mm. Um, there are many, you know, and I like the idea that that's a question. Yeah. And, it, and, and the audience will make up their minds. Um, yeah, is it Frigga? Is it Thor? Is it yeah. something entirely different? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's interesting because uh, Thor, rightfully off, essentially says, I know you're going to betray me, but don't, because I will kill you this time. Mm. Whatever bond we had as brothers is now gone. Yeah. Um, from that moment on, is Loki actively seeking to betray Thor, or is he will he very much toe the line, knowing that the stakes are much greater this time? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think the way that he fi- when he finishes up the way he finishes up in the film is 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 the greatest trick of all because he didn't betray him. Mm, he yeah. saved he saved the day, and he ended up on the throne. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. It's uh, yeah. it's um, so going back to what you said about. Um, Loki not being good at long-term planning. <laughs> Maybe he's learned a couple of lessons. Um, Precisely, yeah. But yeah, he doesn't, you know, and that's what's, of course, interesting about the trick of that there, there is a trick of betrayal, you know. They get to the dark world. Thor takes Loki's handcuffs off, and the first thing you see is Loki takes out a knife and shanks Thor in the ribs again. And the audience probably go, oh, my God, Thor, how could you be so stupid? Yes. Um, but it's, of course, an illusion, and, and we're dealing with the master of illusion. Um, and my goodness, that's a fun thing to play. Oh yeah, it must be. It's great. We've seen it twice. We're going to go back again and again just to see at exactly what point on Svartalfheim uh, Loki's betrayal occurs. Right. Or, 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 what, what moment the illusion begins? Takes place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting line where where uh, Loki says, "You know, this plan of yours is going to get us killed," and Thor looks at him and says, "Possibly." <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, Tom Hiddleston, it's been a pleasure, sir. Thank it's been much. a pleasure. Thanks Thank for you. having me. Thank you. There you go. That's what Feige, Taylor and Hiddleston had to say. Now it's our turn, if you're still with us. Uh, Dan, mm. you were on set. I was. As features editor, you looked around for somebody to go in this movie and you, your Fish finger was, yeah. lighted on yourself. Yeah. 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 So uh, thanks for that, Dan. That's uh, right. How was it? Um, it was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good day. It was kind of a funny day, though, because... Uh, it's one of those things where they say, hey, we're going to show you all this cool stuff, but we can't tell you anything. So it's, it's, I, I saw like all this concept art. They started showing me concept art. So I actually saw the ether, but nobody was saying it's the ether. They just showed me a picture of Natalie Portman standing next to a big sort of red, black, wobbly thing and going, oh, she shouldn't be there, but what is it? Can't tell you. Um, Did they so, use that voice throughout? Can't yeah, tell you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, was, it, was, no, it was Craig Cole, the producer, showed me a lovely guy, lovely fella. And uh, he sort of, yeah, he told me a lot without telling me a lot. But yeah, it was the, the whole angle of, you know, the battle for Earth is won, but the battle for the universe has just started kind of thing. Um, Again, in that voice? In that voice, yeah. So um, what did you see actually being shot? Well... I'm glad you asked, Helen, because I couldn't really say in, 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 the, in the magazine feature because I saw the scene where Thor and Jane return from Asgard uh, back at Jane's flat in Greenwich, which is very nice flat, by the way. Ooh. You didn't really see how nice it was in the film. But I actually wandered around that flat. She's got a piano and she's got an old school style telescope and she's got like, a, like an actual full on balcony. And I'm telling you something, Greenwich prices, I don't know how she afforded it. I theorised that S.H.I.E.L.D. were paying her rent. But she had, there's a line in the film about her mum or something. Yeah, so they say it's her mum's flat. So she's rich mm. to have a place like so that in Greenwich. I wonder, is her Sorry. mother British? 
Is her mother American? I want to know more about Mrs. Foster. We never see her. <laughs> Who is she? I bet Mrs. Foster is going to be the new star of a Marvel one-shot. Can I just point one fact out about the piano? If you look yes. on the piano, yes. there's a song being written on the piano. You can see it on the stand, which is called Thor the Thunder God. That's right. Which I presume goes like this. Thor the Thunder God. It's actually a song that exists. It's actually a piece of music that exists from a suite based on the Norse gods, I believe. Thor, I Thor, cannot Thor. remember. I've got it in my <laughs> notes God. somewhere. It's, I've actually got my notes for the it day like a right here in front of me. But uh, I, I don't want to bore everyone by flipping pages till I find oh, so it. So she wasn't so writing leave it. it. She I'll was just it. playing but, it. Uh, yeah, it was. It's just there. I, I, you know, I thought it'd be like an Easter egg in the film, but you don't see it. She's a bit of a creep, isn't she? Who? Jane. Jane. What? She's playing songs about her boyfriend. Ah, playing... she's, you know, you know, he's Darcy a probably bought it for her as a joke. Maybe. But anyway, so the scene that I saw, so they come in, but of course, I'm sitting there watching it on the monitors and, and Stellan Skarsgård, who was actually in his pants at the time, and he actually said to me that he has more nude scenes in this film than he does in uh, Necrophiliac. Nymphomaniac. Nymphomaniac, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the sequel nobody wanted. There's a Freudian slip. That scene, if we can jump straight into that scene, is yeah. the one in the screening I saw that really raised the roof that had about three of the funniest moments, including, I think... I think oh, they... that was Thor hanging his hammer yeah. on he the... Didn't, yeah, that, I think he didn't do that when I was there. Oh. He didn't do that. And also, weirdly enough, Ian, the intern, the intern's intern, wasn't there that day. Hmm. So that was a bit odd that he, that guy, that actor, was not there. But anyway, it's a movie magic. But yeah, he was obviously, uh, Stellan goes, hmm. where's, your, where's your brother? And, and he's, he's dead. At which point the producer leant over to me and said, yeah, could you, could you not put that in? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of wish you hadn't brought me here today, but there you go. But I, I kind of consoled myself by saying no one really stays dead in these, in of course. these films. And, so. you know, you consoled yourself with the line, I think I better get my pants, which is very funny. I better get my pants. Yeah. It also has uh, that fantastic reaction from Stellan Skarsgård. When it's like, oh, your, your brother's dead, and he's <laughs> he does his conflicting faces where he's so overjoyed at looking yeah. at his dead, but also I have to show suitable yeah. sympathy for yeah. Thor. So many takes of that line. Really? I actually saw loads of different versions of how he delivered that reaction. It was actually fascinating to watch. So was there one oh, where, where he was yeah. just like, woo? No, it was no. He, he didn't go to, from the extreme. He kind of tried. He, he went with the full, oh thank God, oh dear kind of thing, and then kind of blended the two mm. and kind of sort of contracted and expanded the reaction. He has a great film, uh, Stellan Skarsgård. He really has a great film. Just he's only in it for what? In total about 10 minutes. He's great. He had the funniest bits as far as I'm Easily. Concerned. I've had a god in my brain. Yeah. That yeah, would mess a, you up. That's one of the things that really I really liked about this film and I really like about all the Marvel movies is that they're so funny. I mean, mm. Man of Steel could have had, if it had an ounce of the levity that this movie has, the last hour of people throwing each other through buildings might have been tolerable, but uh, yeah, I, I felt that you know they Marvel really have the right approach for these this sort of thing. They they take it seriously, but not too seriously. And Stellan Skarsgård's hilarious. His uh, scene in the uh, in the, the, the what uh, asylum slash old people's home slash whatever it is that he's in <laughs> with the with the great Stanley, the mad scientist time. That is, I yeah. think that is, I think the best Stanley cameo we've had in a Marvel movie. I'm I'm tempted to call movie? it for that one. All right, let's go through Iron Man. What's his, what's well, the Hugh Hefner one was good. That's Iron Man 1? Yeah. Yeah. What's he in, oh, yeah. What's he in Iron Man 2? I can't remember. Can't, can't remember. Uh, <laughs> Thor, he's pulling the hammer. He's trying to, you yeah. know, he's going, he's oh, in the car, yeah. Yeah. He's in the car with a hammer. Uh, Incredible Hulk, what's his cameo? He's one of the guys, uh, sorry, in the Eric Banner Hulk, Hulk, him and Lou Ferrigno are security guards. They walk out of the building. Yeah. 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 
but in The Incredible Hulk. In The Incredible Hulk, I don't remember. So obviously a memorable one as well. Yeah. Avengers, he's on the TV going, superheroes in New York, give me a break. But he was meant to have a bigger one in the deleted scene with Captain America where Captain America is having a cup of coffee outside right. of the station and then he kind of gives him some advice on love and all the sort of stuff. I'm kind of glad they cut that out. Mm. Is he in Captain America? Yes. Yes, he's a general. He's a general. Oh, okay. yes, he's sitting down in the uh, mm. generalissimo. He's in the X-Men films. One of my he is in the X-Men films, films yeah. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Spider-Man, the Mason Spider-Man is probably his best cameo outside of this one. I'd say he's, so. a, he's the janitor who, who's uh, a fight between Spider-Man and the lizard is going on behind him. Uh, and he's got his headphones on. Yeah, can't yeah, hear yeah. any of it. He yeah. is quite good in the Fantastic Four sequel where he's trying to get crash the wedding in a way that completely mimics the comic. Clever. Yeah, and he goes, I'm Stan Lee, don't you know who I am? And he breaks the fourth wall. <gasps> really? Deadpool Not the only thing that's done broke. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Uh, yeah, it's a good cameo. Anyway, Dan, back yeah. to surface, because you, you had Loki's death spoil for you, yeah. and also another death, didn't you? Yeah, because uh, they, they were messing around between takes, which again was quite fun to watch. Uh, Stellan just said, uh, what about your mum? And uh, Hemsworth went, nah, she's dead too. <laughs> and I leaned over to the producer and said, is that actually in the script? And he went, no, no, no in that voice as we quite often shout at each other in the office it's a professional hazard you know you're going to get things spoiled I, I prefer to have things spoiled by you know actually being on set and seeing things being shot and talking to people who've made the film than you know Nick blabbing to, to pick a name from thin air we yeah, no way yeah, need, yeah. mean to say that Nick is the worst spoiler in the office I don't, I'm not sure he is but it's, 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 it's fun to say that okay but so, so let's use that as a sort of springboard then to talk about other issues in the movie uh Loki's death, first of all, because this movie is very interesting in this treatment of Thor and Loki, and mm. it finishes off with a very interesting shot, and we, we heard Kevin Feige and Alan Taylor talk about it quite a lot, Loki on the throne of Asgard at long last. Mm. I, I really like the relationship in this film. I think it does, it works really well, because I think at the beginning of the film, you know, their relationship is at the lowest ebb that it's ever been, in the sense that in Avengers, and really throughout Avengers, Thor, until the very last moments, Thor had hope that he could somehow talk Loki around, that he could somehow win his brother back over. Mm. And that proved a false hope. And so he he begins this film with a really hardened attitude to Loki and a really kind of uh, tough love non-approach in the sense that he won't go near him. And they kind of come back around and Loki re-earns some kind of trust. And, you know, his last line before his death scene is, I didn't do it for him. And the implication is very, very clearly, as far as I'm concerned, I did it for you, my brother, or you can argue it's maybe for Frigga partly as well, but I think it's clear that there is some brotherly love there, which I think is great. Mm. And despite that line of people telling him he'd kill him if he betrays Thor, technically he doesn't betray Thor at all. He betrays Odin, sure. And you could argue that... Well, technically he does betray Thor by faking his death. Maybe he lost consciousness and thought he was dying. And you could also read the I did it for him. I didn't do it for him line. Uh, you can read it many ways. You can read it, uh, I didn't do it for, I did it for Thor, I did it for Frigga. Another way you can read it is, I did it for me. Because yes. this is part of my overall plan. But I choose to be a nice person <laughs> and believe the best of people, even Loki. And I quite like the idea that there is some brotherly love there. And also I think he, he the, the, the scene between the two of them on the sort of the skiff, mm. I think is great. And I think that there is that, that line that sums up Loki's character like no other which is that satisfaction isn't in my nature. Yeah. Um, I think that absolutely sums him up. And I think whatever happens in the next one, you know, with Loki on the throne of Asgard, that's not going to be enough either. And it's going to be he's interesting gonna get, to he's see... He's going to get bored pretty quickly, isn't Yeah, it? and it's going to be interesting to see where that then takes him. Hmm. There are two questions that spring to mind of that one. Uh, the first one is, the final shot that we see, 
is Odin a prisoner here? Is Odin dead? What has happened to Odin for Loki to be there? Yeah, that's the, one of the big unanswered questions, isn't it? Which and, uh, I imagine will be answered in Thor 3. <laughs> Feige and Taylor didn't answer it. I, I, I guess Alan Taylor doesn't necessarily know. Uh, I, I don't imagine he'll direct the next Thor movie because they, they tend to move on with yeah. the directors for the most part. Yeah. Don Favreau and Joss Whedon aside. Um, but Feige, I'm, you, know, you have to wonder, does he even know at this point? Do they know he's somewhere? But I can't imagine they would kill Odin off screen. Yeah. I imagine he's... He's somewhere. He's in a dungeon. How and also, could Loki do it? Isn't a, Odin like, you know, the biggest, baddest god of them all? Well, there's a possible bunch of theories here. Okay, so let's that's, that's get our thoughts around this around the table. At the very end of the, the, the scene when the, uh, the guard, who is actually Loki, comes back and uh, says, oh, father, we found yeah. a, a body in the dark world. And the last shot of Anthony Hopkins, apart from the end when he's actually Loki, he turns around, he looks at the guard and he says, Loki. And he's a bit of Welsh there. Uh, he says, he's a Loki. Oh, Loki. Is it Loki? And uh, Loki voice. goes, yeah, Loki. And uh, you can read it two ways. One is that, oh, it's my son, Loki. And the other way is, as we discussed in the previous interview, the other way is, uh, you're Loki. That's, uh, that's I know read. you're Loki. That's definitely my reading. If you read it that way, then you, you find Maybe it difficult to believe. Maybe, but you find it difficult no. to believe that Loki would get the drop on, on Odin. I think, right, I think Odin would hesitate to strike down his son. And I think Loki would k- hesitate to kill Odin. That, I think, is probably what we're going to find happens. A, no one stays dead in comics, so even if he did kill him, it wouldn't matter. But B, <laughs> I, th- I don't think he did. I think he has placed him somewhere, and Thor 3 will be about finding out where. Maybe he's inside the ether. That doesn't Maybe. make any sense. Yeah, he's in that little ether oh, come thing. come on. At the, at the, yeah. Sorry, that's a bit far-fetched. Right, okay, right. <laughs> Let's just go through my... Li- I, I can see it being easily done. What you see at the end, actually, is just Loki sitting on the throne. Odin could be in the loo. Uh, it <laughs> true. I mean, there's no actual true. reason on, for on the Odin... Other throne. No, exactly, he's on the other throne. The uh, slightly smaller throne, hopefully. Uh, but, yeah, there's no reason to presume, because Loki has the power to change his appearance, Odin was off tending some roses outside in the garden, Loki just talks to his brother as if he's Odin. So you're saying that Loki nips in, has a quick chat with Thor, and then (laughs) relinquishes the throne back to his dad. It's a nice theory. Odin comes back in, high-fives his son, goes, how you doing? (laughs) Yeah. Don't get too used to that scene. Who's now a guard again. (laughs) So he just keeps sneaking around. Anyway, my second question, going back to uh, the scene we were talking about where Loki dies. Mm. Dies. Dies. I really liked how you kind of saw it coming, didn't quite see it coming, the way they said they set up that scene of them tumbling down the hill, which for me kind of echoed what happens in the Avengers. They're on that rocky outcrop, and then they're they're together, one's in in chain, all that kind of stuff. So you then get this sudden knife appears, and you go, oh, crap! Oh, oh, I see. I think that was really well done, uh, where you both saw it coming but didn't. And to pull that off in a big summer blockbuster... It's not an easy thing. Yeah, isn't, uh, I think Marvel are very good at this. I think they're getting very, very good at this. As the, I think the, re- the reveal of the year was the, the Mandarin in yeah. Iron Man 3. And I think they're, they're very, very clever. They know if they just keep churning out the same movie again and again and again with no surprises, then people will get bored of it. But there's interest as well in that scene is that they, they almost foreshadow it. They almost think that they're gonna, you're going to kill Loki now when the, um, the fusion bomb or whatever it is that the, the Dark Elves have, the grenade, ah, I, I can help goes towards... Yeah, that's, please, what that's, is this? That's, uh, that's dark matter. Those yes. dark matter grenades, they're imploding people, not exploding them. They're imploding they bring them. them in. Okay. And they get folded up. Which is a really nice weapon. 
It's a really yeah. cool. That's almost like a Neil Blomkamp it's level. Re- it's of really weapon. nasty, mm. nasty yeah. weapon. I think that is for me. For. That immediately made me think of Mass Effect because there's a weapon you can use in Mass Effect, the game, which is called a Singularity, where you throw an orb and the orb <clears> pulls <throat> people in together <clears throat> to this area and hurts them. Oh wow! Um, and on the game references front, Portal obviously is huge for this. There's lots of fun to be had when you're introduced to the idea of going through different worlds of having an infinite loop, not Infinity Stones, but an infinite loop where you have that yeah. Coke can, mm. what looks like a bottle yeah. of piss going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. There are so many shoes in this film. Yeah, there's a he lot of shoe references. the shoe, yeah. the, the, you know, the, the, the coalescence, whatever it's called, the convergence, convergence mm. with two shoes. Mm. Yeah. There's the shoe gag from Stan yeah. Lee with his, his one word. And then you get the shoes going through the portals earlier. It's just... Yeah. Shoe so you're saying it. Thor is a foot fetishist? I reckon. Maybe Tarantino did a pass the script. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. The, the, you'd see more people more without shoes on That's rather true. than the shoes without people in them. That's true. So um, but anyway, back to your singularity, dark yeah, matter. Sing- well, so you think maybe that they're going to kill Loki at that moment? He's going to sacrifice himself heroically, which is a little moment I didn't quite buy. That, that Loki would push, that throw himself in front of Jane Foster. Uh, I think he was under orders. Under- I, I put, took that as very much part of the plan. Okay. And Thor was like, "I'll do this. You, your job is to keep her alive." Okay, interesting. So I think he was under orders. By the way, I, I going back to an earlier point. I don't think Odin would. Uh, stop himself killing Loki if it meant imperiling the Nine Realms, which is what Loki and the Throne of Asgard would do. But he doesn't know that that necessarily follows. He doesn't know immediately upon seeing Loki that Loki's going to strike him down and take the throne immediately. We'll um, find out. We'll find out. But I think he would. I think there would be a moment's hesitation. He's, he's in a, the he's a, he's, a, he's in the loop. He's a father as well as a god king. You're talking about this movie not you know, Marvel not repeating itself, wanting to not do the same movie over and over. I did feel like there were echoes back to previous films within this film, though. Okay. The way Loki dies is being shanked. I love that as a, as a concept. Somebody is dying, then they take someone else and shove mm. them on their chest and mm. the spear goes through and happy days. Uh, but that obviously echoes what happens to Coulson in Avengers. Well, quite rightly, doesn't it? Shouldn't the guy who killed Coulson mm. die in the same way? And then come back to life in the same and way? And come back to life in the same way, yeah. They'll take out the, uh, the blade sticking out like they did with the Avengers. The other example <laughs> is uh, when Curse becomes Curse, uh, he mm. takes this pill that he shoved in his intestines, Yes, uh, this rock, and then he swallows it, and then Don't he turn, turns into this huge monster. I, yeah. I, I kind of loved him, the, the visual look of him. It's kind of this Warhammer, for me, uh, Viking yeah. thing. Mm. Prosthetics rather than CG as well, which is always good. But to become this twisted, powerful beast, it reminded me a lot of Iron Man 3. You have the red veins that come out and you kind of become this big red monster before you yeah. calm back down again. So it's a similar... They're using Actually, similar I've a, visual I've cues. I've got a question about that moment. Maybe we could come back to it. Or, Go for or it is now. now the time? Go for it now. This, this, this is one of the things that, that kind of confused me, okay, in terms of the continuity of the film. Because you've got Malekith and Algrim and, and Malekith says... Ah, I'm going to do this thing to you, it kills you, and you've got to change, and I'm going to put this helmet on you. So he looks like one of the marauders. They never named that in the, in the yeah. film, but that's what, who they are, that they're fighting, that Thor and co. are fighting at the beginning of the film in Vanaheim. But before that scene's happened, the Warriors Three and are taken all those marauders prisoner and are on their way to taking them back to Asgard, right? Mm-hmm. That's happened before that exchange between Malekith and Algrim. Well, yeah, but they've taken and them prisoner they, on Vanaheim. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, but, but Algrim, Algrim and Malekith are in Svartalfheim. Yeah. Totally different realm. Yeah. And he puts the helmet on him, and then the next thing we see is that same group of marauders mm. that they took from the beginning of the film, including the guy with the huge curly horns, yeah. 
into the prison, and Algrim's with them now. He got well, portaled yeah, in. Yeah, he got dropped. But they have invisible ships, essentially, that are invisible to everybody else's technology. So it should be fairly easy, you would have thought, to... I mean, presumably they're they're holding them on Vanaheim until they're sure that they've rounded them all up. Right. Presumably. Right. And then he just joins that lot. Okay. Isn't it? We didn't have time to ask us of Tyler and Feige, uh, sadly. But uh, yeah, my feeling is that there's a deleted scene there. There's a scene where Algrim, wearing a helmet, goes and to a planet, yeah, gets dropped in and yeah. causes a ruckus and gets arrested by, by the Asgardians, the Warriors 3, who I think... Is that the first time we've seen him on Asgard in the, in the movie? I can't quite remember. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's my scene. feeling that there might be a deleted scene. Mm. That was part of his plan. But in mm. terms of you know the shorthand of here's a man put on a helmet and then, uh-oh, he's immediately in Asgard. Okay. I kind of got okay. that. They were, they were almost like the Warriors 3 were almost like space cops in that way, going rounding up people and, and bringing them back for the drunk tank. That's essentially what... My feeling was, my interpretation was of, of that scene. But you, you, you could be right. You could Fair be right. You know, there might be a, there might be a a, 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 a bit of a plot hole there. And there, there's a, you know, there's a few. I mean, I, I think the film, as we established a little bit with uh, Feige and Taylor in the interview, was 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 in flux up until the end, as most yeah. Marvel movies are. There's a mm. lot of shifting around yeah. and additional shooting and even the look. Things yeah, the, being uh, the Dark Elf yeah. ship and the Dark Elf technology and all that stuff. Yeah. That changed, didn't it, between for, trailers? For example, in the scene that we know was shot quite late in the day and added quite late in the day, the first scene with uh, Odin and Loki, mm. that, con- Loki that confrontation, um, references, there's a line from Anthony Hopkins which doesn't make a lot of sense in the con- context of the movie. He goes, you know, Frigga, your mother, you will never see her again. And then the next time we see her, she's talking to Loki. I mean, immediately she's doing it in a clandestine fashion. Yes. But it does, you, some people could look at that and go, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but then again, Odin may not know that she's. I think that's very much. I think that's holder. very much the uh, the message there. Yeah. It's clear that she's always been close to Loki because, as you know, they say in the movie itself, she's the she gave him her tricks. Yeah, her I kind of wanted to see more of that in a way. I kind of mm-hmm. again, it's it's weird. It's almost like I, I I wanted this film to be a bit longer, you know, to to to. You know, I, I do believe in show don't tell, but I kind of like there's certain things I just felt could. Have done with a little bit more illustration, almost a flashback to Frigga and Little Loki or something, and got a sense of that relationship. Mm. We didn't get it from the first film. No, it's interesting. You look at the first film again, which I did recently, and I actually think I prefer this film to the, to the first movie. Certainly, the first twenty-five minutes of, of Thor um, is a very dense uh, introduction to that world and those mm. characters. And if you look at it again, it's very interesting. And, and I think a lot of the Marvel movies, and a lot of um, even the ones that aren't Marvel Studios, they 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 presume knowledge on the part of the viewer I think yeah. and um, yeah. to the point where if you look at Thor and Loki at no point in the first 10-15 minutes of, of Thor are they actually introduced by name uh, you know for example they're just they're just kids growing up and then we see Thor I don't think Thor is called Thor for the first 10-15 minutes of that film maybe, I'm, you know, maybe I'm, I'm wrong but you go back to like movies like Spider-Man 3 where Venom is never called Venom mm. that sort of thing they just kind of presume that knowledge and I, I've, yeah. you know, I wonder if it's slightly that, that also but the, the beginning of Thor is quite choppy, almost as mm. if it was made up of a series of scenes that were much longer. And I think there was more stuff with Frigga in the first movie. I think sometimes that's a good thing. I think that's sometimes a strength of the Marvel movies because, uh, admittedly, this is an extreme contrast. But if you contrast it to something like The Lone Ranger, which is so concerned with getting its own mythology laid out in detail, so no one could possibly be confused about where anything in that film has come from. I mean, down to his mask. Did we really need an origin story for his mask? You know, 
All you need to know about Venom in Spider-Man 3 is that he is a bad, scary guy. And you know that whether he's called Venom or not. Mm. All you need to know about Thanos in Avengers is he is a bad, scary guy. And you know that even though he's never named and no one had any clue who the heck he was. Mm. Um, And I kind of feel like, you know, as long as you make it clear that these two are brothers and there's a bit of something going on there, you know, his name can come in later. Mm. Yeah, I've got to ask a question at this point. What the heck is an Infinity Stone? Oh, Dan. And how is something liquid a stone? Well, obviously, shut up. Um, <laughs> Can I just say there are quite a few obviously shut up moments discussing what oh, yes. we're discussing now. There are so many, oh, obviously, shut right. up. And also, who the hell was Benicio Del Toro? I'm he, sorry, but what? He looked, he, he looked, like, he looked like Jonathan Rhys Myers out of Velvet Goldmine. He looked like... In, in Forbidden Planet. Will What's going on? Will in Zoolander is what he looked like. <laughs> yes. Jacob Magatu. Yes. Okay. Defender of the Piano Key like Mr. Whippy, <laughs> evil Mr. Whippy, in, in, in what looked like, yeah, an explosion in Forbidden Planet. What the what? Let me see if I can help here. Um, there is a line from Hopkins when he goes into his magic library with those books that I really want where the pictures move around. It's oh, you mean cool. like iPads? Like iPads, but a book. <laughs> really excited like, by those. Oh, you mean Harry like, Potter? Like a Kindle. <laughs> like a book. Shut up. Anyway. So when he goes into his magic library with the magic tree also, he talks about there being artifacts from that are older than the universe... Mm. Um, most of them are stones, but this one is a liquid. Yeah, I heard that line. Right. So, right. what's how, what how is it referring to? End? It's not a stone. It's contained within a little thing, in the same way that it was under the big giant thing. The thing thousand. that it's in at the end, from big to small, magic. The thing that it's in at the end is actually even the same shape as the big giant no, thing yeah, that okay, Natalie Portman found out. iPad, iPad Mini. Yeah, it's basically an <laughs> iPad right. Mini. And then I, so I felt a little bit, you know, I kind of, you know, I grew up reading comic books and what have you. I don't know the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. Yeah. But in the, in the audience that, that, that I was in, which you, actually all you guys were in too, when, when, when you know, evil Mr. Whippy says, um, oh, ooh, the collector, something about five in, all five of them or something. Got catch them all. And, and, and all these yeah. people went, woo, woo, woo. And I'm yeah. sitting there going, what the hell? All right, what that means that is that the Marvel are laying the groundwork for the Infinity Gauntlet series or for, for some version of the Infinity Gauntlet, which is, Thanos, his big plan, his big thing is to get the Infinity Gauntlet, which is a, a glove that has all of the Infinity Stones on it. Once that happens, then he's virtually invincible. Game Not over, man. Galactus Game over. could kick his ass, man. Okay, listen. We know that the when Galactus bad guys get season. hold of things that make them invincible, it never works. Look at Malekith here. I want the ether. I want the ether. I want the ether. I want the ether. I got the ether. Oh, you just beat me. Well, yeah, obviously, but that's why, you know, we have stories where the bad guys lose. But at the same <laughs> I was annoyed about that, Dan. I, but I at the same time, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. I think it's I think genuinely this is quite clever on Marvel's part that all their MacGuffins are uniting to fi- form one Jesus. mega MacGuffin. It's MacGuffin's it's almost like yes, MacGuffin's the, the, the Avengers of MacGuffin. Yes, it genuinely is. Oh, it's called God. a MacGuffin. A MacGuffin. And honestly, if you're going to have MacGuffins, why not have a MacGuffin? Is it an it's, egg, egg, egg it's MacGuffin? It's an egg MacGuffin. It's, yeah. I genuinely, I think, it, I think it makes perfect sense. They, they actually say in that, in that mid-credit sting that the Tesseract, which is the MacGuffin from... Mid-credit sting? Is this a thing? Mid-credit, Sorry, yeah. Okay, mid-credit sting, they say that the Tesseract from the Avengers is an Infinity yeah, Stone. Okay. The ether from this film right. is an Infinity so, Stone. So there could be like three other Two films. down... Probably possibly, not. possibly. We, we with, might, with silly MacGuffins that we might be introduced really to need. a new one. And uh, my my feeling is that you know, and second guess Marvel at our peril. But my my feeling is that Avengers three 
we'll finally see Thanos be the bad guy and it'll be about trying to stop him from wielding the Infinity Gauntlet, which means that no one, not even Agent Coulson, could stop him. I'll be dead by that time that film's out. It's only two years, well, then. You're not that old. <laughs> yeah, let's look forward to it even more. You just come in here and just piss on everyone's jibs. You've, no, you've, you've no, 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 Okay, all right. Okay, my serious point is, my serious point is, right, I enjoy Thor, I enjoy the world, I enjoy Asgard and Midgard and Svartalfheim and all that stuff. Mm. I enjoy the way that the Norse mythologies parlayed into the Marvel Universe. It's all great. I don't... I haven't been enjoying this other setup stuff, this kind of... I, as far as I was concerned, the ether, I didn't get the point of it. Fine, have the Dark Elves, they're bad guys, Malekith's cool and nasty, he's been banished, now he's back. Like Zod. Um, and, and they fight him and he's, and he's hard and he's cool and, and, he, and he's a threat and he kills, you know, he kills Frigga and yeah, what but have the, you. I don't think, it, honestly, it didn't interrupt my or ruin my enjoyment of the movie. It's a, it's, a, it's a MacGuffin, it's fun. I do wonder, and again, we didn't have time to talk about this with Feige and Taylor, I do wonder if there's another version of this movie where the ether has a slightly more malevolent influence on Jane Foster. There's, For example, there's, yeah. there seems to be indications that she was going to be possessed by something and turn all evil and nasty-like. Hmm. There's moments when her eyes are dark, dark like the dark, yeah. Uh, you know, but maybe who knows? Maybe Mrs. Foster is the one who's See, possessed and evil. But that's <laughs> another plot trick they've used in Iron Man Three, where you have the female counterpart to the hero pulled into this world by being contaminated with this superpower slash malevolent bad thing. In this version, she doesn't get any actual powers, unlike Iron Man Three. Mm. By the way, if you haven't seen Iron Man Three, I do apologise. But if you're listening to this, that hopefully you have. But that kind of annoyed me. What bothered me is more what you were saying previously at the beginning of this, Dan. Yeah. Which was, he gets the ether, but I feel like he's less powerful. He can't yeah. kill Thor yeah. with this superpower. Whereas with Curse, when Curse and that scene when they're mm. dodging each other and, mm. you know, he mm. gets ether and walks away, I was like, I actually think people might die. I was nervous. Mm. I was scared. It was real mm. force behind what people were doing. But when he has the ether, it's like... I don't know if you ever played the game Prototype. Hi, I'm referencing games today. But you shoot this kind of black liquid. It's almost Venom-like. Or like a football manager. And you're just kind of shooting out this black goo. Mm. And you see him fall into a wall, fall into the gherkin, fall into wherever. Mm. But there was no real attempt of making that black venomous goo do anything bad to him. I think at that point, maybe he's just focused on the bigger picture of destroying everything rather than destroying Thor, maybe. Yeah, yeah. for him, I think yeah. Thor is an utter irrelevance. And it's one of the interesting things, about, as I said as in my review, that I think one of the reasons why Malekith, for me, doesn't quite work as well as, as Loki is that there's no personal investment between yeah. himself, Thor, and Loki. I mean, they try, they kill Frigga uh, to make it personal and to send the brothers on a quest for vengeance. Mm. But there's no moment. I mean, I don't think Malekith even learns Thor's name during the course of the movie. He just to him, he's just an Asgardian who just is a bit of a fly in the ointment, a, an insignificant speck. Ultimately, once he has the powers, which to me were more reminiscent of uh, the end of Blade when Stephen Frost becomes a blood <laughs> god, he's regenerating and he's surrounded by this red liquid. That's that to me is 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 what Malekith thinks of Thor. So he's it, he's not really bothered mm. to be honest. He's, he's right. not he's not bothered by the fact that yeah. half his face gets you know scorched up. He's by... fairly bothered about that. I, I, I didn't I didn't really see much bother there. Yeah, they wear masks a lot anyway. So what do they care? But yeah. did they fridge Frigga? Yeah, kind of. They did. They, like they did. Freezer. They did. They fridged Frigga. Thank you. Get it, Argos. Uh, but unfortunately, it seems to be fine because they gave her this kick-ass bit where she defended Jane. I, I enjoyed that. But in retrospect, there's quite a few fridge moments. Pretend, pretend, for example, that we're not all well versed in film terminology and explain what fridged means. Uh, fridging is basically where uh, there's two slightly different definitions. The, very, the, the much broader definition is that a female character is killed to give a male character something to feel. Killed, injured, tortured, 
raped, whatever. It happens a lot. The slightly more uh, specific definition, which is what the inventor of the term, Gail Simone, actually intended, was that female characters, when they come back from being tortured, injured, killed, whatever, tend to come back weaker, whereas male characters, when they come back from being tortured, killed, maimed, whatever, tend to come back stronger. Uh, either way, there is an imbalance in the force, if you will. Um, and and yeah, Fr- Frigga is kind of fridge. Now, obviously, we had uh, Taylor and Feige explaining why specifically she was the one that, that was chosen to die that because she was the only one who could bring yeah. Thor and Loki together. I get that. I, it, it did initially, when I watched the film, leave a slightly worried taste in my mouth. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking back at my review of the original Thor and there's a line where it goes, um, you know, some people don't get a lot of screen time. Rene Russo needs to have a word with her agent. And clearly she did have a word with her agent. But you, you do realise, especially the second time you're going, oh, they're giving her more screen time just so they can kill her. And make yeah, the impact, a little bit. and make that, that yeah. yeah. But it impact. did have an impact, and that's that's why I'm I'm having it did or didn't sorry it did yeah. It did. And I think that that's why I'm having trouble condemning it as much as I would like to on principle. They got away with it. They I'd did say. kind of get away with it, especially when you hear you know it's interesting hearing how much flux that scene was in, and how mm. you know how much of a mm. uh, how many repairs they had to make to it uh, for it to come out the way it has. Uh, I thought it was uh, mm. fairly impressive. Of course, there was supposed to be a Malekith Odin face off. Which would have been yeah. in at the that time. exact yes. moment. Yes, in our in 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 the feature in the magazine, Christopher Eccleston talks about having his big scene with Odin. Yes. So if you read the feature and then you've seen the film and thought that we were all going mad, no, it just <laughs> it just didn't make the final cut. I think it'll be on the Blu-ray though, which is going to be well, very, my feature. Very interesting. Your feature should be on the Blu-ray. It's so good. required <laughs> reading for all Thor and Loki fans. Well, <laughs> let's blow our own trumpet for a moment and talk about the magazine because. Um, <clears throat> If you got our subscriber cover, especially the Loki subscriber cover, which was much in demand, you will have noticed that there's a massive spoiler on it. And we didn't know this at the time. After the film was finished. But after watching the film, if you look on the ground beside Loki as as he sits on the ruined throne of Asgard or in front of the ruined throne of Asgard, you can see that that's not his helmet sitting next to him. It's Odin's. And that's Odin's spear sitting behind him. And I don't think any, I've noticed anyone on any of our boards or Twitter or anywhere else point that out. Well, and yet here we are. Yeah, true. But then again, they may just obviously beyond there is there as well. So yeah, it could just yeah, be yeah. he's surrounded. Mew mew. Um, which is the uh, my favorite moment in the movie by I think uh, by a country that mile. Hammer is the best comic actor of the whole film. No, I love the uh, the, the fact that they remember that Darcy can't pronounce Mjolnir and they brought it back and. And, and again, I just love the like, like I said, the, the levity of that final scene. Constantly wrong footing his protagonists, and or you know, and as opposed to Man of Steel's heavity. Yes, especially as it was. I found there was a patch when after the really cool looking ships come in, the kind of half blades, the shanks start flying in with these red eyes, and they cut up the buildings. And this, there's a little bit of is there a deleted scene here of oh the bluebody beep um, shield is failing not failing I didn't quite understand what was going on there but anyway the ships come in and that's quite a low point and you feel quite slow and turgid I never thought at that point we'd get because it's sad and people are ruminating upon how this has all happened you know Asgard is vulnerable mm. that we have such a fun ending mm. like it is so much fun uh, you know, hammers and you know jumping through space landing on the gherkin and smashing it through the bit that every Brit or anybody who's ever been to London will get annoyed about when he gets <laughs> off at he gets off the portal at Charing Cross boom he lands yes. there gets on yes. hot girl bumps into him on the train that's great uh, how do I get to Greenwich 
She goes three stops on this line. No matter what line you are on... She is lying. ...at Charing Cross, you cannot get to Greenwich. Is she lying just to get Thor onto the train with her? I am on board with this, She's on board with it. she is lying. Possibly. Um, I mean, best case scenario, you'd have to change onto the Jubilee and even then you'd be ending up in North Greenwich, which is is at least the the way he comes from when he runs back into the college. But it's a long walk from North Greenwich to the Naval College. I remember when Charing Cross was on the Jubilee. Also, I think uh, one of the things we should overlook about this... uh, this scene is that he doesn't have an oyster card so therefore how does Thor get out of the station at Greenwich simple answer is he breaks the law I think the girl walks in with him I'm not saying that you should do this but it's conceivable that they could be hugging as they go through the barrier touch beep go together look I'm not saying he did that but it's an idea but as we're talking about things that you may be a little bit miffed about with this film uh, you know it wasn't all super great can we talk about the general attitude towards science, uh, how things work, um, plot <laughs> machinations. There is so much wibbly-wab-wab yeah. in this. There is. But at the same time, on Asgard, right, as Thor says himself in the first film, you know, there is no difference between science and magic. And it's something that I think I think Marvel has been playing with a little bit. If I don't know if anybody out there is watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but you will notice the repeated references that Agent Coulson makes to his, apparently he recuperated from his Avengers wounds in Tahiti. That's the story on the show. And every time Tahiti is mentioned, he says, it's magic. And I think there's clearly something going on there. Oh, I thought there's he was something, a Maybe, but it's magic. Um, there's there's clearly not. something going on here with, uh, with uh, magic, essentially being the same it's, as science. Oh, it's just a get out, isn't it? Gravitrons and all this kind out. of stuff. It's you know, just, gravimetric it's stuff. It's not just the magic Spatial explosions. Asgard, which I'll, I totally agree with what yep. you're saying, but it's when you see Stellan Skarsgård with what looks like a wireless router I had four years ago, twisting it, little knobs on it, and then suddenly things are happening and it, people get disappeared into singularity. But that's because he's controlling portals. the gravitrons. Yeah, I have to confess that bit stuff. of the film made no sense. To it made whatsoever. a lot of, but you just fun. roll with it, don't you? You just, you just roll with it. And I love the big fine. spears. You're suddenly throwing these spears yeah. at people, and then if you detonate them at the right time. I mean, I'd love to play that. That's that's a good game. I don't think this technology exists. So I think you don't think so? Yeah, you reckon? I what well, otherwise, Brian Cox and Neil deGrasse Tyson would be our rulers. They would, they would, they would have this technology. I'll tell you what annoyed me is that Thor is uh, quite often during the film apparently wearing two cloaks. He's got his red cloak under Sorry, what? his big blue leather cloak. That doesn't make any sense, man. That's what you're nitpicking? Yes. A man is warm. <laughs> you're just annoyed because Chris Hemsworth is covered up. Okay, how did... Well, I, I mean, was, come I, on. I, I watched Not, this with Helen twice. I've watched this movie with Helen <laughs> twice. And the scene, the gratuitous male oh, nudity yeah. in this film. Yeah, topless, by the way. Topless scene. Yeah. yeah. Moobs out. Yeah. There, there were... Those were not moobs. All right, whatever. Yeah, whatever those are, they're not moobs. Pexy. Yeah. You want plot problems? How does Mjolnir not break the coat rack? <laughs> hey, Thor puts it down. It's I guess. unparalleled as a weapon no, to destroy and a tool to build. Why? He puts it down on top of Loki at the end of the first film. Loki can't get up. Yeah, I did. Oh, but he I can didn't hang it on, myself, on a piece yeah. of MDF. I know why. It's because whoever is worthy, and that coat rack is worthy. That's going to be the new Avenger. There you go. The new Avenger is a coat rack from Thor. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's Groot, our first look at Groot. <laughs> Maybe. That would be amazing. That's Maybe it was Groot. a bit of Groot poking through the wall. I also yeah. like, I'd also like to talk about the Game of Thrones-ishness that was brought over, probably not because of um, Alan Taylor being the director of episodes of Game of Thrones. With all the boobs and people's heads being cut off. Quite, and, yeah. yeah. No, but there was an element. The there, was, there was more of a Game of Thrones-y vibe when you see, uh, you know, when they're celebrating yeah. their victory. Yeah, that was good the, to see. The kids were uh, on 
on their knees, which doesn't yeah. happen necessarily as much I, in Game of Thrones, but they're quaffing was, some I, ales. I, I and, did like the quaffing. I did like the sense that Asgard is a place that people live in as opposed to stand around. The throne room is, in. reminded me a lot um, of the uh, the bigger throne room in um, King's it, Landing. Yes, yes, it was closer to um, King's Landing. I, I, I did think it was a bit of a shame because they, they, they made a big deal of shooting in Iceland for Svartalfheim and using this real location. But it seemed it seemed so Could be layered over with with visual effects that I, I never actually really got the sense it was a real location, which, but which I, is a bit of a shame. I kind of wanted a hat tip to Game of Thrones. You know, when they're shooting the arrows at uh, Frida's long you know, long ship into Valhalla, <laughs> somebody just get it wrong yeah, once. They all hit. But they all hit. Every single They one. nail it. Like yeah. it's, it's like they're good at it or something. Uh, that was a very interesting montage, seeing that happen. I like that scene. My issue with the funeral scene was, uh, especially because you've got Fandral there played by Zachary Levy, and that made me think of... Yeah, it made me think of Tangles with the lanterns because that's also a big golden city and all these lights in the sky over a big golden city and people out on boats on the lake around this big golden city. Basically, it looks identical to the the love scene in Tangled, and that's a bit confusing for a few. I wrote that down. Uh, Did anybody get any 2001 vibes, not just from the monolith that kept the ether in check, like some kind of big stone sandwich? Uh, but I found it was the, the, the room at the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey, that white, clear room with a couple of bits of furniture in it. That reminded, Loki's prison cell yeah. reminded me of that. I can honestly say I didn't get a single 2001 vibe. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's like a reference. I just, did anybody feel that? No? I okay. did a little bit. Okay, fine. I really liked how you saw Loki's reaction to Frida's death where he just mm. shoots everything across the room. And the way it's cut in the trailer, it sounds like he's, it feels like he's angry at Thor, mm. but in, rea- in reality, what am I saying? Mm. But in the construct of the film, it's Actually, not that. My, one of my favourite moments of the whole film was a quiet moment, and that was the bit where Curse is letting everyone out. Mm. He's walking through, the, he's letting everyone out, and they're all, you know, and then he walks up to Loki's cell, and Loki looks at him, and he looks back, and he's just like, no, nah, you're staying in there, mate. Because I love this idea that just by giving this guy a look, Curse could just say, you're trouble. You're too much trouble yeah. for me. I'm not, even, I'm not even going there. But then he says, and, go and, and I left. think that was a really, actually a really, really nice, a strong, cute moment. And, yeah. Then, oh yeah, and then obviously, as my, you say. My feeling about that as well is that maybe Curse is uh, letting everyone else out. And you look at them and they're all big, big bruisers who'd be very, very useful in taking Asgard down from within. And this guy looks like an, he's an Asgardian accountant, basically. So why would you let him out? No, no, I think it's the other way around. I think he, he sensed that Loki was more, would be too, too much for him to handle. Okay. When you see him deliver the line, which I really liked of, you know, now you see me, I felt there were kind of magic jokes within the text. You see him playing with a cup when he's lying on the chaise mm-hmm. long, his bed. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a kind of cup and ball game type magic-y stuff. And him saying, now you see me, I expect him to go... No, you don't. Mm. And then just disappear into mm. the smoke. Mm. Uh, yeah, I actually wasn't a big fan of the way... Having seen the film now, it would have been nice if that moment had been truly revealed to us for the first time. But with the long hair and the, the dishevelled Loki. But we see him in the in the trailer. Yeah. And I think that's the, the pretty much the only moment across three films that we see the true Loki. Yeah. That's truly him. With the with the glamour. The glamour, the glamour is away. And you know, yeah. That's what David Copper feels like in his days off, I think. <laughs> That's, that's a horrible thing to say. I've got a couple of uh, <laughs> other points just to put out there that I, I noted down. ITV News is the foremost superhero correspondent, it looks like, for this world. Is that a local world. territory thing, though? They're, they're, like, in America, it'll be an American news channel. In China, well, it'll be, be a Chinese London, news channel. That would be in London, so it wouldn't channel. make a lot of sense. There was a scene on your own where they were in London, and I'm pretty sure I saw a poster of Uncle Sam in the background saying... Uh, yes, but that is actually... Is that... They, they were, what they were, that made no sense geographically, because they were clearly having 
lunch on her date with Chris O'Dowd. She was clearly in the Royal Festival Hall in the restaurant there, Skylon. And then when she clearly. came out with Darcy, she was clearly next to London Bridge Station yeah. opposite that World War II museum, which is where that poster was. So that made just no sense. Oh, so that poster does exist. Yeah, okay, okay. it's a World War II. London uh, geography is a perennial yeah. problem for people to get the shooting rights in certain areas. You just cannot make things join up. Like people, I mean, it happens all the time. People cross the river several times, yeah. Southwark, then over again, just because that's just the way they have to shoot Ladies it. Ladies and gentlemen, Furious 6 is car chase, for example. Yeah, there's a bit of that. Can we talk about, this really delighted me, when you're seeing the things that they're testing the portal out on, one of the things they pick up was Vimto, yeah. a can of Vimto. And I yeah. thought, that's what they're toasting in Croydon. It's a can of Vimto. That's what they use for their toast. But and Shreddies, Shreddies as well. Shreddies, the AC, yeah. McVitie's. Yeah. I don't know, it felt genuine. The, the prop guys obviously yeah. had fun with picking whatever it was. And yeah. Vimto just delighted me because I couldn't think of a more British soft drink. But Iron Brew, that's probably it. Mm. So I enjoyed that. And what was the um, ringtone? What was uh, Jane Foster's ringtone? Ah, uh, it was... Is it Exhibit? If you are Exhibit and you're listening to the podcast, do write in and tell us what song that was. Uh, there's a couple of really nice cameos in the film I think we should probably ah, yeah, talk about. Yeah. Great um, ones. We've heard about um, from the from the interviews with Tom Hiddleston and, and Feige and Taylor uh, about the Chris Evans one, but I really liked the Captain America cameo in this. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was kind of recognizing what irks people about Captain America in a fun way. That kind of uh, you know you know Boy Scout patriot thing, and it was it was good to see Chris Evans playing Tom Hiddleston playing Chris Evans. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, and given Helen, you had a, a run-in with another Chris Evans during the screening. Say no more. Which, which one do you prefer? <laughs> I prefer the Captain America Chris Evans. I'm just going to go on record with that for all time. I, I realised the other day when we were recording the podcast that I should have said at some point, perhaps he ran out of the screening early because he'd forgotten his toothbrush. But oh, I realise well, now, now. now the moment has passed. The moment has passed. So, <laughs> like about t- 15 years ago, I'd yeah, say. I'm yeah, probably. But listen. <laughs> Maybe we'll keep it in, maybe we won't. Maybe we'll um, <laughs> so there's another cameo, which is Chris O'Dowd, as Richard, Jane Foster's would-be boyfriend. I thought that was really nicely played. I genuinely did. I thought, you know, that the, their disastrous date at the beginning is, is rather well-observed um, in terms of the awkwardness and Is it lobster, lobster, lobster? Seabass. Seabass, 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 seabass. You do wonder about how they got together, though. Was it on the Guardian Soulmates page? Or I would say she's w- a Guardian Soulmates kind of girl, wouldn't you? Do you think? I mean, she wouldn't be on Match.com and eHarmony seems a little bit too dry for her. I think they were both walking with ice creams in their hands in opposite directions and then bumped into each other and she got ice cream on him by accident. Well, you've you've clearly written the fanfic already. Um, <laughs> I, 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 Richard and Jane slash fiction, eh? <laughs> wow, interesting. I reckon it was low-key harmony. Oh, oh no! It was what I like most about the Chris Evans one is that it just kind of flowed. It was just like it, you, there it was. You couldn't believe it. Yeah. You didn't have time to deal with yeah. it. And it yeah. carries on. Yeah. Which almost in my head, I just go watch this film again. The, in in the second screening, which we were at, which was the most crowded one, um, you literally couldn't hear a word that he said in that cameo because people were laughing so hard. Uh, and applauding everyone, as well, yeah, which and, really, and applauding, which really yeah, which was pretty cool. But no, uh, Chris died, and I thought that it was nice that they made like sort of actual plot use of him afterwards, even though it did yeah. rather end up getting his poor little hopes up uh, in a, in a way that seemed doomed Very to cruel. failure. Very cruel. It's handy they walked into that cave. I'll say that much. It uh, is a little bit, yeah. But yeah, I love that moment. That was funny. And seeing all the shoes on the floor, and then your brain goes, "Oh, I see what's happening here. This is kind of genius." Did anybody else enjoy the fact that at the end of the film it does go, Thor will return? Yes, I like the confidence of that. That's something James mm. Bond used to do from the very first still Bond does. film, in fact. Still does. Still does. Yeah. Um, and, and I think let's do it with good characters as well. 
Oh yeah, I went. And of course, there. the fact is, they know he will return because we're about to start filming his next movie. So, and why did the film <laughs> on the bus? We saw this in certain press stills early on, but we saw the bus, which is for some reason in the Naval College, says "Moral Sacrifice" on the side. A clue? A clue to what? Is that a reference to something? Could we find out? To a moral sacrifice, perhaps? Maybe reference to Loki? Yeah, maybe. I, it could be. Anyway, I enjoy noticing it there. I feel, I feel like there's a story about I, it. I enjoyed you enjoying that. Oh, thank you. I thought it was a fairly deftly written screenplay. It's credited to three writers, and um, Joss Whedon apparently came on and did some, some patch-up work on the screenplay. And I quite like the way it, it pays. It gives each character, including the Warriors 3 and, and Sif, yeah. nice little moments. Mm. Um, you know, mm. which Even just, Ian, the intern's intern. Except, yes, Ian, the intern's intern, except with the, the, the one exception of Hogan who is dumped on uh, Fanaheim at the beginning of the movie, going, well, here you are. Here you are at the beginning of the movie. You're probably too busy to, to commit to the larger part in this film. So enjoy it. So, yeah. I'll see you again yeah. at the end of the movie. <laughs> For a joke of time with your wife and kids. Go yeah. on. Go on. To be fair, go he on. does do a thing which I'm going to incorporate into my general physical lexicon. Uh, I've written a blog about things that I've picked up from movies that I enjoy, like in Iron Man, he does the double click and then claps into his hand. What's your hand there? What Thor does with... What's his chops is the elbow to hand super handshake because mm. real men shake like that. They grab each other's hands and arms. Yeah, let's do it, Dan. That's it. That's it. Oh, that's manly. Yes. Oh, it's so yes. manly. Wow. Well, if only well, you can, can see, see the it. Power coursing through my veins. I just got my first chest hair. A couple of lines that I really enjoy within the film: How space? Space is fine. You lied to me. I'm impressed. There are loads of little moments that I, yeah. I know I'm going to enjoy Zings, more. a lot of zings. The little exchange between Thor and Loki, which I think summed them both up, and I know I've said this in the interviews already, but uh, Loki saying, satisfaction is not in my nature, and Thor replies, surrender is not in mine. I thought that just both of them in a nutshell. Help, mm. I'm in a nutshell. Yeah, I like all the, in- the exchanges between Thor and Loki in this movie. It's interesting that the movie holds back the Thor and Loki stuff for so yeah. long it's about an hour yeah. I think before they have their first scene together and then when they do and the movie does this, they do this really smart thing where they have a Thor-Loki confrontation but they don't have a Thor-Loki confrontation Yeah, uh, and that's, that's really interesting I think I think they realise that for three movies of these people uh, meeting and fighting it's time to play a few different notes on the, on the old mm-hmm. flute The other line that's great is uh, Loki's response to v- Volstagg's threat uh, evidently there will be a line uh, to kill him if he betrays Thor. I think that's just great. That was funny too. Maybe I wrote this down and it didn't actually happen and it was just in my brain, but does Loki shout the words Tadar as he's yes, flying, he does. He's he flying the asterisk, asterisk, the asterisk-shaped ship yeah. through yeah. that crack in yep. the... Uh, Skiff, I believe he's known as. Right? Yep. Uh, and he shouts Tadar. That really made me laugh. Talk about magic references. Magic potion. Oh, right. I see what you did yep. there. Very good. Yeah. Asterisk. No, 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 no. He wasn't even uh, I, yes, 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 I know, but I was adding a... Yeah, I was with you, Thank Ali. you, Helen. These two were not with yeah, you. Yeah, okay. All right, lost it completely. Anything else? <laughs> and uh, he disappears from the last third of the movie, really, but Heimdall, more Heimdall this time, more Idris Elba. Great, yeah. yes. Yeah. yes. More scenes of him talking to Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Heimdall <laughs> with without, the top without, without his helmet. Doesn't even matter, just the voices are fine. Yeah. Heimdall having a drink. Yeah. You know, that's that, that was weird. That was strange. Him sacrificing himself, that was, was that a moral sacrifice kind as well? his honour. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of cool. I thought, oh, what, what are they going to do with this? And then it turns out he has to kind of admit that he's part of a plan and I kind of love that. But it was odd. You go back up to Asgard after you see 
Jane and uh, Thor together holding, hugging, and then they leap off and you can see the print on the floor, Mm. which I thought was really cool. But that, for me, reminded me so much of a a crime scene that Luther would be involved in, that (laughs) that whole area. And we haven't talked about the final, final sting, which is again in that kind of warehouse in the middle of London, but not really... Uh, area where you see these upturned uh, shipping crates just mm. there and the giant stone monster from wherever mm. troll troll, troll thing I'm yeah dragony job of, yeah. is there chasing like a big cat chasing birds mm. just a lovely little kicker mm. joke it's adorable it is adorable it's very very nice indeed I do like it and I think maybe one last thing to talk about is and it's very very easy obviously to read uh Post 9-11, uh, lots of movies as post 9-11 analogies, but there is, I think there's definitely something going on here with this movie. The Dark Elves uh, is very noticeable at the beginning, for example, that uh, Malekith basically turns his entire people into suicide bombers, which is very interesting. And uh, you, could also, twice. you could also read Odin's intransigence as maybe being a, a comment on US foreign policy in the, in the wake of it. But then it's easy to do this with pretty much every... Well, uh, I suppose Asgardians are like the Americans. They're the policemen of the Nine Realms. In America, mm. he's, he's obviously a policeman of our world. And, you know, there's, there's, there's certainly that kind of mm. stuff going on. But the treatment of Odin in this movie is very interesting as well because there's, there's signs that he's losing his touch. He's not the, the surefire deity that he once was. Mm. I think there's, there, there are lovely echoes. I mean, in terms of the Malekith being willing to sacrifice his people, Odin, at one point at least, mm. being willing to sacrifice Asgard itself to, to defeat Malekith as mm. well. Um, you've also then got uh, Odin berating Loki for trying to set himself up as a god on Earth and Loki going, well, what did you do that was any different, essentially? Double standards. Double standards all the way through. So I think that's that's kind of the interesting way of looking at, uh, at Odin's behaviour. He's he's echoing other people's bad choices. So it looks as if we're obviously going to see Thor next in Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah. That's going to happen. Mm. It's going to be a while, I think, before we see Loki. I'd be amazed if a third Thor movie... Obviously, much will depend on how it does at the box office, but it's already shaping up to, I think, be the, yes, one of the biggest November openings well, of all yes, time. Yes. Um, if not the biggest opening of all time. Um and uh, so I imagine we'll see a, a third Thor greenlit very, very soon. Do you, are you looking forward to seeing that? Because we, you know, it's such a cliffhanger in a way. Yeah. So it's a nice, it's a finite ending, but also mm. I want to see what happens next. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be fan, you know fantastic, literally fantastic, literally fantastic, <laughs> literally fantastic. But I, you know, as long as I keep these whatever Infinity what's it out of it, I'll be happy. <laughs> They'll be. You want them to keep the 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 MacGuffins that will fuel Phase Three out of Phase Three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just stop. I just, just, two just, infinity just, stones. Let's, let's, let's worry about the characters more. I think they're worring about the characters a lot, and that's why they're not bothering too right. much with the MacGuffins. Stop distracting me from the characters with the MacGuffins. I think you're the only one getting distracted, yeah. but fine. It's a, it's a post-credit sting. Yeah. I, mean, I, um, I, I mean, listen, I'm a total... You know, I like comic books, I like fantasy, I like sci-fi, I like men with big arms. I mean, this is pretty much <laughs> in my wheelhouse. So I had a, a hugely good time, and I will queue up to see Thor 3 when it comes out. Oh, that's fun to will say, isn't it? Up, no, will I won't. you just I'll go just, to a screen for free? I go to a screening. If I can, I hope. All right. Uh, and that is it, I think. Everything covered. You're all good. Everyone's happy. Okay. That is it for our Thor The Dark World spoiler special. Join us next time. I think the next spoiler special is going to be The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smig. So uh, do check that one out in December. Until then, it is goodbye from Helen. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Dan. Farewell. It's goodbye from Ali. Vale. <laughs> Maybe I should have done a Godspeed. Now all I feel right, go, I'll do it again. Until then, it is goodbye from Helen. Godspeed. Mm-hmm. It's goodbye from Dan. Farewell. It's goodbye from Ali. Vale. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to get my hands on Mia Mia. See you next time.